Media Talk Show. My name is Dick Whaley. And my partner Jim Dwyer has uh, school obligations this week. I'm sure he's looking forward to the summer because the uh, Ann Arbor public schools are in their last week and finals are next week. So uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Unlike uh, the situation in Iraq. In any event, uh, kudos to Jim uh, for doing last week's show. I was uh, down in Ohio uh, attending my brother's wedding. And I understood he did a little show about Kurt Vonnegut, which is uh, wonderful. I had my own uh, Vonnegut material, but uh, I'll just uh, <laughs> cite one uh, memorable quote from Vonnegut when he was interviewed on PBS by Bill Moyers, lamenting George Bush when he said, I am the war president. He sarcastically said, well, that's like saying you're the syphilis president. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Vonnegut's uh, view about war, of course, was definitely fashioned by uh, his experience as a POW in Dresden, which, of course, led to Slaughterhouse-Five. But uh, he uh, covered a lot of other subjects, and Cat's Cradle, I think, is another very significant Vonnegut book. So if you're going to read two of them, read those two. As for Ohio, uh, I won't uh, gloat about the uh, Cavaliers' <laughs> Victory, but I will say that LeBron James's performance in Game Five was one of the greatest athletic performances by an individual that I've ever seen since I've been watching sports. And uh, I think the Pistons uh, did everything they could to win the series, and it was just a case of uh, maybe a little younger team uh, with a, uh, some breaks here and there uh, winning. A, a close series, so I think that uh, Detroit and Cleveland are going to battle out against one another for the next several years, of course, pending what happens during the offseason. Uh, as for the uh, NBA Finals, uh, I think that will be an unpredictable event, but uh, I think Cleveland actually has the big bodies to harass uh, Duncan. I think the difference in the series will be uh, Manu Ginobili, He's one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Uh, he's sort of the captain of the Argentinian national team, and he plays big in big games. So he is the X factor. If uh, Larry Hughes's legs uh, can hold up, I think he may be an important uh, player in that series because they're going to need a big guard with quickness to cover Manu Ginobili, a big-time performer. I think the series will actually go at least six, and uh, I guess I'll make my prediction <laughs> next week after we see what happens. But I think if Cleveland can steal one of the first two games in San Antonio, they have a good chance of winning because they're playing very well at home. In any event, we'll just give Chris Pronger a brain damage award for his unnecessary uh, violence on an opposing player in the playoffs, and let's root for Ottawa uh, just in the name of... Uh, Given the Canucks, our friends across the border, something to be proud of. I don't think Ottawa's ever won the Stanley Cup. Last night I watched uh, the presidential debate of the Democrats. This is the first time I watched them debate. I watched the Republicans several weeks ago. I think the Republicans are uh, more important to pay attention to because 
Unfortunately, while the issues are favoring the Democrats, I'm not sure uh, that the Democrats, if Hillary Clinton is the ultimate candidate, are going to win with her in uh, charge, even though I think she performed very well in last night's debate. She struck me sort of as the queen bee. She was sort of in the, at the center of the stage and was able to, uh, shall we say, transcend some of the uh, debating points and stay above the fray. But I think she's personally, she performs well in debates, by the way. I watched a number of the Senate debates last uh, round uh, back in 2006. And she was heads and shoulders uh, the best debate performer uh, of all the, the candidates, uh, d Democrat or Republican. What she's good at is explaining her position clearly, succinctly, and thoughtfully. Um, she has some problems on warmth. Uh, which I think she did a very good job last night of uh, appearing warm on stage. One uh, spinmeister after the uh, analysis claimed that she was a little, she had problems when the camera wasn't on her. I wasn't there, so I couldn't see something like that. But uh, she performed well. I think what, what is interesting was, was how the second-tier candidates, Edwards, Richardson, and Biden, sort of, tried to mold uh, their own um, message as far as where they're going. Let's remember that Hillary Clinton is probably not going to win Iowa, and she's probably going to finish third in South Carolina. So if she doesn't win in New Hampshire, she may be in big trouble. Now, big trouble, of course, is all a matter of degree. Uh, it's what's important to remember about the Democrats versus the Republicans in the primary season is that the Democrats proportion their delegates based on uh, popular vote in the primaries. So I can see four or five of these candidates hanging around for quite a while. And uh, Edwards, I think, interestingly, is beginning to craft a slightly different message. The media will talk about how he went after uh, Obama and uh, Hillary last night on the Iraq War. I think that's all sort of nuanced uh, trivia. But I think where Edwards is trying to make a distinction, and I don't think he got into his economic agenda as much as uh, he may have liked, but I think that his very important breakout area and I noticed this a couple weeks ago when he uh, delivered a uh, speech before the uh, Council of Foreign Relations in Washington, is he's beginning to focus on this issue of the global war on terror. In the debate last night, and I'm just quoting here, he said what the global war on terror, what this global war on terror bumper sticker, political slogan, that's all it is, it's all it's ever been, was intended to, intended to do, was for George Bush to use it to justify everything he does. The ongoing war in Iraq, Guantanamo, Abu Ghraib, spying on Americans, torture. None of those things are okay. They are not the United States of America, Edwards said. And this uh, little... Uh, soundbite, which of course is too long to be a soundbite for television, is the direction that Edwards is going. Uh, he's trying to break uh, from the semi-centrist message that Obama and Clinton are trying to parry in these debates, as well as in their um, appearances as candidates. 
both Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton strike me as being too cautious. They're way, they're trying to stay above the fray. They're trying to look presidential, all that nonsense that you hear about. And Edwards is being a little more aggressive in attacking the fundamental flaw uh, of the Bush presidency, which is the global war on terror. We've talked about this down here on Gray Matters. And I personally think that Edwards is making a great decision here uh, if he keeps this up. Uh, he may get some political advisors to tell him to tone this down because Americans are concerned about terrorism and all that. But I think that Edwards is intelligent in focusing on the fact that the global war on terror is a fraud that the Bush administration has used, as he puts it, to justify everything. And it's good that he was specific. Iraq, Guantanamo, Abu Ghraib, spying on Americans, torture. These are the things that the global war on terror, that slogan that Bush has come up with, has used to justify these things. And I think Edwards is smart going in that direction. Richardson, Bill Richardson, the governor of New Mexico, is sort of taking a different strategy. He's lucky in the sense that he is a governor and can um, sort of uh, keep himself out of these uh, intramural battles that go on in Washington regarding supplemental bills and immigration, etc. Obviously, he has to ad ad address these issues. And while he came across last night as kind of plotting and a little bit of, uh, I don't know, he, he, he didn't smile enough maybe, he, he had this kind of gruff uh, demeanor, um, what he's doing is fashioning a different uh, message of sort of pragmatism. I'm a manager. I've got all this experience. Here's my resume. And this is how I deal with problems. And I thought he was pretty good on specifics. I think he made a couple of blunders, though. I don't know why he denied that there's no uh, conspiracy or <laughs> collusion, collusion going on regarding gas prices. I think that that's uh, something that he needs to rethink. And I think it's also uh, abs an absolute disaster to even think about um, keeping America out of the Olympics uh, because of the Darfur situation. Uh, that's uh, That was a thing that Jimmy Carter did back in 1980, and it's a fiasco. Uh, the Olympics are going to go on regardless of whether America participates. And all that will do is alienate lots of uh, voters for patriotic reasons. And I think and I'll talk briefly about Darfur in a second because uh, Darfur came up in the debate. Finally, Joe Biden um, came out uh, the way he always comes out. He's sort of this, I'm a tough guy. I'm going to be frank and vote for me because I'm giving a tough message. He was angry at times, uh, almost to the point of, uh, you know, hurting himself. But I thought as the debate went on, he clearly has developed a strategy of I'm going to be the tough Democrat here that's going to, you know, look at the real world and deliver the message in a tough, gruff, sort of uh, almost semi-angry way. Whether that strategy works or not, I don't know. Um, but what's interesting, of course, is that Richardson is uh, starting to emerge uh, in some of these key early states as the number four. And uh, if Hillary Clinton, as I say, uh, should not win New Hampshire, and I think that's far from uh, a proven uh, uh, result because a lot can happen between now and then, she actually could be in trouble because if she loses the first three early states, I think more doubts will emerge about her uh, efficacy as a candidate. 
Finally, there are the gadflies. <laughs> uh, Mike Gravel probably should drop out of the race. Um, he was trying to make a point last night about the deficit, and he kept shouting about $200 million when the figure is actually $200 billion. And when you get confused about million and billion when you're making an argument about the deficit, uh, you've got problems. And, of course, he also it also came out that he gets his meds from the VA. Um, he comes across as a little bit uh, behind the times, almost senile, and should probably drop out of the race. And then, of course, Kucinich um, is interesting because I think he represents the future of the Democratic Party in terms of policy. He kept talking about a Department of Peace. He ruled out any um, force uh, in, in uh, Darfur, and of course he's a big advocate of immediate withdrawal of the troops. I think that uh, Gravel and uh, um, Kucinich, though, make a big mistake trying to associate the Democratic Party with the Iraq War. Uh, this is a Republican war. Uh, it was voted for by Republicans back in 2002, ex almost exclusively. There were some exceptions. And to associate the Democrats with the continuation of the war is, uh, I think, uh, foolish. Um, the debate about the supplemental, um, obviously that will go on, but, uh, you know, obviously there's been a Washington consensus that we're staying in Iraq till September. And it was interesting last week that um, one of the big prominent uh, anti-war critics sort of bowed out of the movement with a kind of a, you know, a little pithy uh, statement that Americans are more interested about what goes on in American Idol than the war in Iraq. And while I agree with her on that issue, um, it, there are a lot of people that are very passionate about the war in Iraq um, ending it, and Kucinich is one of them. Also, he's good in the sense that he's talking about repealing NAFTA, re getting out of the WTO, getting back to bilateral trade, and also he's unambiguous about universal health care. And I think that that is a smart way to go, uh, because the experts on, on, on this issue, it's pretty clear. Obviously, when you have these, uh, these sort of vague uh, um, kind of complicated uh, health care proposals that some of the other candidates have that get to the concept of universal single-payer system, I think you run into problems. Um, I don't know what poll data shows on this, but I do know what the experts know. And I'll just read a, uh, an article that appeared uh, in the economic uh, business section of the New York Times back on the 20, excuse me, on the 31st of December of last year by Anna uh, Bernasek talking about this, the health care problem. She has some graphs here. This is a, a really good article, by the way. I'd recommend uh, checking it out. It's dated the 31st of uh, December, 2006. And it shows the charts showing how much more uh, the United States spends than comparable countries and what they get for their money. Uh, we spend per person um, almost more than twice what Canada, France, Australia, and Britain spend. And as a percentage of government's total spending, um, it's by far the least. And we also, of course, get the worst results. We have the lowest life expectancy and the highest infant mortality. Uh, those, of course, are just two 
uh, pieces of data that, uh, that, that sometimes judge the health care system. Christopher Dodd, who I didn't mention in the debate last night, sort of was invisible, but I thought one of his uh, good moments was when he pointed out that we are rank 41st in, globally on infant mortality. That's uh, a frightful statistic. And by the way, we rank lower than even uh, Cuba <laughs> in both life expectancy and infant mortality, and uh, that is frightening. So in the article, um, she talks about the economic case for a single-payer system. She writes, start with what we already know. Countries with single-payer systems have long records of spending less on health care than the United States. The United States spends an average of 6102 per person on it in 2004, according to the Organization for Economic Cooper uh, Cooperation and Development. While Canada spends 3165 France, 3159 Australia, 3120 and Britain, just 2508 At the same time, life expectancy in the United States was slightly lower than it was in the other countries in 2004, the latest year for which complete figures are available. And I should hasten to add, for instance, when you compare it to France, France has a much higher uh, smoking rate and a much higher <laughs> um, consumption of fat and alcohol rates uh, than the United States. So that's very interesting. Uh, I would argue that America's problem is not really with health care spending per se, but it is with diet. And uh, the French, of course, uh, are famous for their um, eclectic diet, but it's focused on a Mediterranean quote-unquote diet. And America has way too much processed food, white flour, and white sugar. And if you can eliminate these things out of your diet, uh, you'll do yourselves a favor. Uh, don't worry about so much butter. Uh, worry about partially hydrogenated oils. Worry about white sugar and avoid white flour at all costs. So read your um, labels uh, carefully and go, of course, to whole grains and uh, as many uh, variety of uh, fr fruits and vegetables as possible. And also an underrated um, thing in the diet that I'm a big advocate of because I do most of my cooking at home, almost 99% of it. Uh, get more legumes in your diet. Eat more lentils, uh, split peas, um, chickpeas, that sort of thing. You know, think about Mediterranean dishes in the Middle East. Think about um, couscous, uh, falafel, uh, pasta with uh, olive oil, and uh, focus on your on your oils. Uh, look at uh, walnut oil. Uh, canola and olive, and those are your three best uh, oils to be using in cooking. And uh, get away from anything uh, with par partially hydrogenated oil because it's uh, toxic stuff and uh, it causes all kinds of problems in the diet. And you'd be surprised what it's in. <laughs> so uh, those crackers, chips, and those sorts of things, read the labels carefully. This is your grandmother speaking. Uh, getting back to Anna Bernasek, uh, she writes, there's little disagreement among economists today on a single, on, on, uh, that a single-payer system would lead to lower administrative costs, said uh, Len Nichols, a health economist with the New American Foundation. One of the first major studies to quantify administrative costs in the United States was published in August 2003 by the New England Journal of Medicine. 
by three Harvard researchers, Steffi uh, Wood, Wool Handler, Wool Handler, okay, that's a little bit of a tricky name, uh, Terry Campbell and David Himmelstein. It concluded that such costs account for 31% of all health care expenditures in the United States. That was a stat, by the way, that was actually, I think, quoted by Chris Dodd last night when he answered one of the questions. More recently, a study in 2005 by the Lewin Group, a healthcare consulting firm commissioned to examine a proposal to provide universal health care in California, estimated that the administrative costs consume 20% of total health care expenditures nationwide. Economic studies also show that a government-funded system would reduce costs while providing coverage for everyone, the Lewin report on the proposed California um, health care coverage. They calculated that if such a system had been operating in 2006, it would save $8 billion, or around 4.3% of health spending in the state. From 2006 to 2015, it estimated total savings would be $343 billion. Currently, California spends about $180 billion a year on health care. I would hasten to add, by the way, that uh, if we would just take the money that we're spending in Iraq and apply it to health care uh, reform, uh, great things could happen, but uh, no such thing is going to happen anytime soon. Now, Another issue that uh, was uh, broached during the debates last night, and I want to focus on a couple of issues, uh, more than the Iraq war, because unfortunately uh, we're going to be mired in Iraq with uh, continuing poor results uh, for the rest of Mr. Bush's presidency. Uh, it will be fascinating, by the way, to see if there are big changes in uh, Iraq policy going into next year's presidential and congressional elections. Because you may see uh, many Republicans, and, and there are already seven or eight in the Senate that have uh, seriously questioned what's going on, but you may see more abandon the Bush policy uh, because everybody in America knows this isn't working. Uh, for instance, I mean, just today, I'll just parenthetically uh, mention this, there was a front-page story um, in the New York Times about the initial um, surge and, and strategy regarding Baghdad. David Cloud and Damien Cave report that three months after the start of the Baghdad security plan that has added thousands of American and Iraqi troops to the capital, they control fewer than one-third of the city's neighborhoods, fall short, far short of the initial goal for the operation. And they go into the details uh, there's just increasing um, sectarian violence occurring. There's been a massive uh, increase, by the way, in unidentified uh, bodies showing up at the morgue. And, of course, the American casualty uh, results continue to skyrocket, and 14 more died this weekend. Uh, this whole thing, uh, this surge is a uh, fiasco. But uh, one of the issues, getting back quickly to immigration, that was uh, discussed, and the immigration issue is a... Uh, going to emerge as a, a, a you know, divisive, uh, hot-blooded sort of issue. The Republicans, of course, are more angry about this at the moment than the Democrats. The Democrats seem to be sort of uh, melding around a, um, a consensus policy that sort of resembles the Bush 
the Kennedy um, McCain um, proposal uh, regarding immigration, and we'll see what ultimately comes out. But I did want to report this. Last uh, September, Julia Preston, writing about immigration, cited a study. She wrote, she wrote, and this is in the New York Times, she wrote, new illegal immigrants accounted for 56% of the increase in employed workers in the United States in the five years after 2005. And competition from these immigrants contributed to a sharp decline uh, in employment of teenage and young adult Americans uh, looking for work. At the same time, the number of employed native workers aged 16 to 34 fell by 1.5 million workers. The study contends that 90% of the job deficit for young Americans would be erased if American teenagers and young adults held the jobs that immigrants now hold. The immigration debate in America currently, though, is unfortunately not focused on the big um, gorillas in the room. Unfortunately, it's, it's degenerated uh, too much into a kind of uh, coded racial um, debate, about, uh, debate about race. And um, then there's this theory that uh, we, we have to hire uh, Mexican workers because Americans won't do these jobs. But as Jared Bernstein, a noted economist, pointed out, that's not what it's about. It's hiring workers, quote, based on what you're willing to pay them. So we know, of course, that in the construction industry, many illegal uh, Mexicans are working, quote, unquote, day jobs where they're picked up uh, by pickups um, at uh, well-known spots and urban areas to go uh, work for a day or two on a project or, a, or a, you know, a housing uh, repair job or something like that. And uh, these employers are evading... Um, the law, obviously, that's one component of it. Another component explaining why so many uh, Mexicans are fleeing Mexico is connected to NAFTA. Uh, the um, inability of small farmers in Mexico to grow corn, uh, in which the United States has decided to subsidize agribusiness to the tune of, oh, I don't know, I think last year it was up to about $35 billion, is forcing... Um, indigenous small farmers in Central American countries to flee um, their countries because of economics. And then, of course, the other big uh, issues connected to uh, the immigration problem are really uh, related to contraception and uh, abortion. Um, one would think that Mexico would be a paradise for the conservative right. Um, contraception is difficult to find. It's almost illegal. In fact, it probably is uh, due to the uh, power of the Catholic Church. And, of course, abortion is illegal. And we've seen other Central American countries, interestingly, by the way, Nicaragua, uh, in which the United States was very active in attempting to overthrow the Ortega government back in the 1980s. Daniel Ortega is back in power. He won the last elections there. And he just signed a draconian abortion bill in, uh, in uh, Nicaragua, making abortion illegal. So these other issues that are connected to the immigration debate are not discussed. Finally, this, uh, this amnesty code word that opponents, mainly in the Republican Party, are using 
It's just nonsense to call an amnesty. Um, it is an amnesty. There are many, many hoops and many, many bureaucratic hurdles in which these uh, temporarily illegal um, entrants to the American uh, state have to be um, dealt with. And this nuanced debate about whether English should be the national language or the official language is another very phony minor issue, which, of course, is big in the Republican Party. Um, they want official English to be the official language so that it will uh, affect voter rolls in urban areas. R rest assured that that will happen and that that's what their motive is all about because their whole policy of uh, their whole party policy for the last 25 years has been, been to dis dis disenfranchise minority voters. Uh, they've used uh, the penal system, the so-called war on drugs, and felony laws in a panoply of states, mainly in the South, to permanently deny uh, people convicted of felonies from ever voting again. Um, and we know who the targets are in the war on drugs. Um, it's African Americans, and this is what this is all about. So pay attention to the immigration debate, because it's not going away. This is a global um, issue, by the way. It was very significant in the uh, recent French elections, and you're going to see it as a more important issue in European elections as well, because the flow of uh, human beings across the globe, mainly for economic reasons, mainly because of political repression and, uh, and uh, various problems, are having a big impact on westernized societies. And uh, what your Western, you know, Europe, what Western Europe needs to come up with uh, their own policies, and this, these policies in Western Europe are actually a mirror of what's going on here in the United States uh, with respect to the uh, the issue. But I think that this 750 mile uh, fence is just that is a fantasy. Uh, what needs to happen, of course, is. Uh, the enforcement of uh, em against employers that are illegally hiring workers. Uh, this is rampant, and enforcement of these uh, current laws is non-existent here in the United States. The idea that we can, as one of the uh, people in the debate last night, um, I think it might have been Bill Richardson or it might have been Biden, said the idea that we can round up 12 million people and send them back is uh, is unworkable. So there is a sort of you know, pragmatic uh, reality about uh, you know where we're uh, where we're going to go with uh, the immigration policy here in the United States. Finally, uh, Darfur. Real quickly, um, th this was uh, brought up during the debate last night, and there are very you know Biden came out and talked tough and said we got to act and we got to <laughs> start start a no-fly zone and and even start bombing and military action, et cetera, et cetera. That's all nonsense. Um, many aid groups, by the way, there's a very interesting conflict that occurred just last week uh, regarding the Save Darfur Coalition, in which uh, advertisements are advocating the, the commencement of a no-fly zone. Sudan, by the way, is the size of Alaska, Nevada, and Texas combined. I mean, think about that. It's, it's, it's half the size of the United States of America. Um, and and uh, to, to get military for I mean, the, the, the government of Khartoum is located thousands of miles from Darfur. 
And the notion that genocide is occurring there, I think, is an overstatement. George Bush repeated this last week, so we'll give him a brain damage award for that. There is not genocide going on in Darfur in the traditional sense of the word. There clearly is a refugee crisis. There is a clearly a humanitarian crisis. We'll let the refugee and the humanitarian agencies solve this problem. Uh, hasty military action is not going to work. The Janjaweed are, are militias. 